Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. For tonight's study is peace or the seed. Amen? Now, uh, on Sunday we, we mentioned the absolute necessity for us to function within within peace. Amen? And how that the peace of God must govern and rule our hearts. It must be the umpire. It must be the referee. It must be the governor. It must be the arbitrator. And the peace of God must rule in our hearts within the context of our relationships in the body of Christ. Amen? We are called to peace. Okay? And uh, we read in Psalm 122 that walls are described as peace and the palace as prosperity. And let, let peace be within your walls and let prosperity be within your, within your palaces. And I really want to encourage you. You must guard the state of peace internally within your soul. Because you've got to have peace within before you can have peace relationally. Um, and there's two dynamics. Have peace within your soul. Have no turmoil. Have no worry, etc. No strife within. No tension within. And then also exhibit peace then outwardly in terms of your relationships. Okay, and so Isaiah 32 speaks about a peaceful habitation, a peaceful environment. And I said this to you, your environment does not dictate or determine your state. The opposite is true. Your state configures and determines your environment. So if you want an external habitation or environment of peace, right, you don't seek that first. You work on you and your representation of peace. Your environment will adjust itself to who you are. So when you become a man or woman of peace, so too will your environs, your atmosphere, be it at home, in your marriage, all of your relationships will then be, start to be characterized by the peace of God. And I want to encourage you, let the ruler rule. And Colossians 3.15 says, the peace of Christ must rule. The moment the peace of Christ is not ruling, you're prone to be thrown into states where peace is absent, right? And then strife, tensions, and all sorts of things creep in. It's so serious for me that because peace is central to what the kingdom is, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So whenever you have absent peace, you have, you have the, the kingdom not demonstrated. If you claim kingdom, you must have evidence. Part of the evidence of the kingdom is to be peaceful, being peaceable, and being peaceful. Okay? So peace must characterize um, your identity as a son. I'll talk about this next week. Peace must characterize your identity as a son. There are two scriptures in this respect. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You claim son, automatically your function your whole um, operation is making peace. And there's a lovely portion in the Gospels also where it talks about loving your enemies, doing good, etc. Um, and seeking to have peaceful relations in all you do. And the writer says, for then you will be called sons of your father. 
right? But then you'll be called sons of your father. So don't ever entertain strife, um, division, uh, for protracted periods of time. With wisdom, sort issues out. So blessed. You must follow Thamo's series that he's being with Santon right now. He's on the third session. Just completed the third segment of the Hebron series. Right? Dealing with perfecting relationships at a place called Hebron. He dealt with it in, in some respect at the school, but in Santon's really going at snail's pace, and he's working meticulously, slowly, literally at snail's pace. But ensuring, uh, and I just listened to the, his Sunday sermon um, today, and he said his, his motivation is to ensure that the house becomes a model for the nations to see. Right? The house becomes a model for the nation to see. He keeps on saying, we rule nothing unless we master relationships. You're not going to rule nothing unless you become a man of peace. Okay, so become a man and a woman of, of peace. Let's go straight into Isaiah 32, verse 17 and 18. The work of righteousness will be peace. You just stop right there. The work of righteousness will be peace. So what's the outflow of righteousness? Peace. Peace is a fruit of righteousness. Right? The, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. So righteousness, like I said, or peace is in the middle in that verse of righteousness and peace um, where you have righteous dealings, justice and equity, where you practice righteousness. You always have peace. And peace is the basis for joy. You can't really have joy without any peace, not so? You know, so one is dependent upon the other. And this verse says, the work of righteousness will be peace and the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. So where I have righteousness, I have the fruit of peace. Where I have peace, there will be notable expressions of two things. Quietness and confidence. Quietness is there is not as in not speaking or low volume. It's simply an inner state of absolute settlement, satiation, completeness. And with that comes tremendous confidence. Right? You know who you are in the Lord. Right? I said peace is a position not of fragility or weakness, but it's a position of strong military might in God. And he who is at peace really knows who he is in God. A peaceful person is the most confident person. Right? In fact, the opposite we think is true. You get the person in your workplace that's always fighting. It proves they're the most insecure. Right? But by we, we, we take our cue from externalities and don't view it carnally. You know, we think the person's overly confident, always pushing their way. You know? That for me is a sign of insecurity. Right? But the peaceful person even will hold his peace in confidence, knowing who he is. has nothing to prove to anybody. Amen? He's not a wimp or pushover. Then, everyone say then. So you only have then, verse 18, when you have a 17. It says then. So then my people will live in a peaceful habit, a peaceful habitation. Okay? So habitation is your environment. Environment. So I really want to encourage you to have righteousness, peace, quietness, confident internally. That's inward, verse 17. And verse 18 is the outward expression. Then in your environment, your habitation will be characterized by the peace of the peace of God. 
Okay? I love Psalm 85 verse 10b. It says, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Right? Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Now, everyone, please, this, 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 this issue in verse 18, the latter part of the first part of verse 18, then my people will live in a peaceful habitation. What I want to talk about this evening is basically that, the environ of peace, that peace must be in the atmosphere. So I walk into your home, I must sense it is a home of peace. I walk into this church, uh, people must know this, in, this habitation is one of peace. But you'll never have peace discerned in the atmosphere until each son in the house has become the embodiment of what peace represents totally and completely. Remember what I've said, you configure the environment. You want the habitation, the atmosphere, then you must embody the principle fully. Amen? So I hope you are more peaceful now than you've ever been before. Are you? Have you been growing in your peace? Right? Since we started these studies? I'm talking to you, yes or no? Right? If not, we must repeat some stuff. You know why? Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, And of the increase of his, two things, government and peace, there will be no end. But it says, increase of peace, no end. Or no end to increase of peace. So peace, the increase of peace, is an unending reality. Right? You never come to the place where you've reached the max of peace or the height of peace. I seek daily to be more peaceful than I was yesterday because the increasing peace is a nature of the kingdom. Of the increase of his peace and government, there will be no end. Remember in reference to that verse, I also made the statement, it's government and peace. Right? Of the increase of his government or and his peace, there will be no end. Government is rule. Right? Peace, in terms of God, is his empowerment to rule, and it's the outcome of his rule. What authorizes him? His empowerment. The same holds, holds true for, for you and I. What authorizes you to rule on God's behalf in the earth is your peaceful disposition. Right? And your, your attitude and your acts your mindset and your behaviors. The outcome of everything you think, everything you do, must be peace. Please you must catch this principle. Let me say it slowly. In reference to God, His empowerment to govern is peace. What makes Him governor is the fact that He's peaceful. And when He governs, the outcome of His government is peace. Same holds true for you and I. What is your authorization to govern and rule? Peace is your empowerment or your authorization. When you do rule, for example, when everything you think, every behavior, every act you do, at the, the outcome of that must always be peace. Then it is said the kingdom has come. Right? When, when these things um, are seen and are, and are notable. So I'm really after a peaceful habitation. I'm going to show you my mind has really been challenged about this just this week in my study of this principle in, in the Bible. Context is everything. Environment is everything. Samuel came in the midst of prophets. Remember? He was looking for donkeys or something. 
and he met those prophets, musical prophets coming down the mount. And when he was in their midst, the Bible says, he began to prophesy. Prophetic spirit came upon him who was not a prophet. And there was a proverbial saying that went throughout all Israel, is Samuel also a prophet? Okay. Sorry, Saul. Not Samuel, Saul. Is Saul also a, a prophet? Right. So, the environment, he, he tapped into and in a prophetic environment, so powerful, so infectious, it changed or his function. Or it qualified him to do things which ordinarily he would not have been able to do. Such is the power of environment. So I'm into, you'll see the link shortly with prosperity. Right? So in this emphasis that the Lord is leading this house into now, I want to encourage us all, let's make certain, the atmosphere reeks of harmonious, loving, um, seamless, synergistic, peaceful relationships one toward the other. If you smell tension, if the atmosphere is thick, if there's awkwardness relationally, you know you're compromising the culture of the habitation is then not characterized by peace. And I'll demonstrate to you from the scripture shortly where that is the case. Even your financial seed loses power. You can be the biggest sower, but in that context, it kills seed. Right? It's very important that we get this right. right? So, you know, the best place to start working with this is with your wife. Ask your neighbor, how are things at home? Even those of you who are not married, how are things at home? <laughs> okay. Between you and you, make sure, you know, it's, there, there's no telling what God is able to do when your bedroom is in peace. When your conversations, your relationship with your wife, your husband, your spouse, is characterized by the absolute peace of God. I'll show you a scripture in reference to marriage shortly. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let me back up. Right? Now at the bottom of page one, note the connection between righteousness and peace and the attendant blessing of productivity or fruitfulness. Just before we get there to habitations and environment. Quickly, I'm going to run through these very quickly to get to my main point. You know Psalm 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield, he gives two things. He gives grace and He gives glory. No good thing. Everyone say good thing. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Okay? No good thing will He withhold from them who walk uprightly. The Hebrew word for uprightly here is tamim, which means blameless, complete, and it's linked with integrity, truth, and virtue. Essentially a reference for righteousness and practical righteousness. An integrous person, person of tremendous virtue, blameless, upright in all his doings. Now think about it. The Bible says the Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives two things. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will he keep back from the person who walks in rectitude before him. Right? So God will not withhold anything from a righteous man. He does not withhold. It's not in the nature of God to withhold anything from him who walks uprightly. Now the word good is interesting. 
Does everyone say good thing? The, the Hebrew for good is tob or tob. Well-pleasing, fruitful, morally correct, proper or convenient. Now just look at those meanings. So no well-pleasing thing will God withhold from me. No fruitful thing will God withhold from me. No morally correct thing will God withhold from me. No proper thing will God withhold from me. No convenient thing will God withhold from me. Who walks uprightly. Okay? But on page 2, I've analyzed this word in a previous study before. I just want to go to this very, very quickly. Whenever you see the word good, tob, no good thing God wants to keep away from you. The word good, tob, implies the following. That which is appealing and pleasant to the senses. Who would like that good thing? Appealing and pleasant to your senses. Do you want this? Come on, you need to. Your spirit man, you, please awaken your spirit. You must catch on to the truth and, and reach out for these things. Um, your, your, no, next point, no useful and profitable thing will God withhold from you. Hmm? That also which is abundant and plentiful. How's that? Good thing. That which is kind and benevolent, that which is proper and becoming, is good in a moral sense as opposed to evil. Bears a general state of well-being or happiness. How's that? The better of two alternatives. I just like that last one. So, good thing. Now, remember in Genesis 1, next point. Remember in Genesis 1, wherever God made something, He said, this is Tob. And God saw that it was Tob. And God saw that it was good. You can take all the points I've just listed and fill and paraphrase that verse. God saw this is useful. God saw this is profitable. This is abundant. This is, this is kind. This is benevolent. This is proper and becoming. This is the best of the other alternative. Right? God saw it was good and it was proper. God made the earth in six days. Or on the earth. He prepared the entire context. Both earth and the entirety of the planetary systems. Right? The environment for man to dwell in. And he put man on the earth on the sixth day. Right through the creation account, God said it was good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then he puts man in. Right? So he prepares the context, which in his mind is good for man to function, to function in. Okay? And so whenever we see, if I think about that, and I think of Psalm 84, and God is saying, no good thing will I withhold from you if you walk uprightly for me. And I marry that with the Genesis account. God is saying to me, Randolph, even now I'm preparing contexts. I'm preparing, in, everyone say environments. I'm preparing the spatial sphere in which you are going to function. Be fruitful and multiply and represent me and, and function on my behalf. But I'm already preparing a context, a structural environment in which you are going to function. Amen? And this thought just hit me forcefully, I think on the weekend, on Saturday, as I I was thinking about this. Because sometimes you think that things aren't moving as fast as you would like them to. Don't you think, feel that way? God, can't things just move a bit faster? I just want to do so much more for you. And God was assuring me, listen, keep yourself righteous. Just keep being blameless, keep being virtuous. Keeping a man of integrity. Because there's no good thing, no tob I'm going to withhold from you. 
Like I made everything in the creation account, it was good. It was a context being prepared all along the way for me to position my man in. Right? And so I really want to encourage you all. I just feel the need to do this. God, without your knowledge or awareness, is preparing your context even as we, even as we speak. And God is not going to withhold that from you. So point two, there was a prepared context, an environment conducive for success and for, and for rulership. Amen? You're going to thrive, be fruitful and multiply in that domain that God is busy preparing for you. Amen? I really believe there's going to come lots of changes from now and in 2014. Be prepared for lots of changes. I see the goodness of the Lord coming to us in a very, very, very significant way. Amen? Tell your neighbor, it's a new season. It's a new season for us. I really believe this with all of my heart. Amen? Now look at the other, but the imperative is upright. Maintain your uprightness. Keep diligent. Keep consistent. Keep it, keep going. Don't don't take 10 steps back. Keep going because God's not going to withhold the thing that he has prepared for you will walk upright. He's going to give you grace and glory because he's going to be your sun and your shield. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk in righteousness or uprightly before him. Third benefit, clarity of vision. I'm just giving you some blessings of righteousness that are associated with productivity and fruitfulness and prosperity. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until the full day. I like this verse, eh? It speaks about clarity as one progresses in the day. It shines progressively brighter and brighter even to the coming of the, of the full day. And you're going to see with greater clarity. Everyone say greater clarity. So I declare upon you things might be a blur right now. You might not know what to do, but God's going to give you clarity. If you are righteous, your path is always going to be characterized progressively as you walk with greater clarity. Right? My path shines brighter and brighter even to the coming of the noonday. I challenge you when somebody asks you tomorrow, how is your day? Tell him, you want to know what the Bible says about my day? Right? My day, the, right, the path of the righteous man, his day shines brighter and brighter even to the coming of the full day. Right? Things are getting better and better, not worse and worse. Please, I want to encourage you tonight. I'm trying to get your mindset right. Things are going to get better and better for the sons of God, even within the context of global crises and calamity. Even your personal, in the context of your personal crisis, you will always come out the better. Amen? Things are going to get better for me. I'm telling myself this daily. My path is going to shine brighter and brighter if, so long as I maintain my righteousness. Healing. It was a healing. Those who fear my name, Malachi 4.2, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. You will go forth and skip about like calves led from the store. So healing is your portion. Next benefit, favor, grace, and protection. Psalm 5, verse 12. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor like a shield. Right? 
You know, God's favor on you is God's, Dr. Siggy says it's God's affirmative action program. God's unfair advantage policy for his sons. God is just favoring his sons. And God says, my favor on you is actually my protection. My favor on you is your shield. So we married this with Psalm 84. The Lord God is a son and a shield, giving grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from them that walk uprightly before him. So his favor is your protection. Genesis 15, he said this to Abram after he paid tithe to Melchizedek in chapter 14. In Genesis 15, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am your shield. This was just after a massive defeat of four global empires, an alliance of four major Persian kings. This man simply defeats them, probably concerned about his future. On his Melchizedek with his tithe. First thing God comes to him, Abram, I am your shield. I'm your protection, right? Um, and your reward, and the word reward here is a numerical accounting term implying remuneration. God is saying, I'm your check. <laughs> I'll write all your checks from now onwards. He's saying, I'm your reward. I, I will personally see to it that you are well taken care of. And my shield will be my favor round about you. Amen? And this is very important that we understand this. The next benefit is, I like this. This is where I really want to get to. Fertility and productivity. Fertility and productivity. When righteousness and peace abound, our land, that's our environment, our atmosphere, our context, will yield its produce and prosperity will result. Psalm 85 verse 8 says the following. I will hear what the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people. Tell you never I know the peace speaker. We, we sing that song, yeah? I know the peace speaker. I know him by name. Now this verse is, I hear what the Lord says, will say, he will speak peace to his people and to his godly ones. But let them not turn back to folly, right? Acting unwisely. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory might dwell in our land. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace, again, have kissed each other. So where you have righteousness, you have peace. And the outcome of this, truth springs from the earth, and righteousness looks down from the heavens. Indeed, the Lord will give what is tob. Hmm? Here's the word again. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its produce. Now, the land is context, environment. Your whole environment suddenly starts to change. Hands up. Who needs a change of landscape? Who's tired of seeing the same landscape every, the same things every year in, year out, week? I really believe God is about to change some scenarios. Amen? Some of you need to shift house even. I said to you, you must shift. Huh? You must shift. I'll come with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe God is want to bring you into a place of abundance, not for ostentatious showing, but for function. God is positioning us in a particular place as a platform to beam the message 
He has given us, given to us, to a far wider audience. We're going to reach more. Amen. And the, the next verse, 13, says, Righteousness will go before him. Now, like this, will make his footsteps into a way. Hmm? Everyone say trailblazer. Pioneer. You know the trailblazers, the pioneers, those frontline people? They go ahead of others, and it says their footsteps become the way of others. The initial steps, they're the first. So you can become a pace setter, as it were. Your footsteps become the way of others. But it says righteousness goes where? Before him. Righteousness before you as you walk. God makes your footsteps into a path for others to trod upon. And this house is that house which I believe our righteousness must be so, so uh, strong that it will go before us. God will lead us into, I believe, expressions of prosperity, productivity, and fertility, like it says of this land. The context, our context is going to be characterized by fruitfulness. I really even believe our physical dwelling, the building we're going to go into. Our context, listen carefully to me, is going to speak to kings. We'll be able to invite kings and address kings. Amen? Do you believe these things? Amen? So I really want to encourage you, start to have the mindset, I'm a firstborn son. I'm a king priest. Right? I'm not less than. I'm preeminent in rank over the enemy. I'm preeminent in, in rank. I'm preeminent in dignity. I'm the excellency of God. All these prophecies relative to the firstborn. Genesis 49. They were said over Reuben. Right? I'm the one who bursts the womb. Right? I speak forth. I break forth in the womb there, basically. I burst the womb. I break forth into the new realm that God is leading me into. Break forth the time bubble. And I open new kairoses in, in God. Right? I'm the fertility and the, the showcase of all of my father's strength. Firstborn, in the absence of my father, I have the right to speak. I have the power of double mouth. When I speak, it's like the power of witness in me, for my father backs everything I say in the year. Amen? So as I teach today, I'm not just educating you, I'm making decrees over you. Amen? So I decree your land will be prosperous. Entirety of all your environment will be a good land flowing with milk and with, and with honey. The next blessing of righteousness uh, and attendant peace is increase, I like this, in qualitative provision. Please, much of this first part of the study is very prophetic. I just feel it's like almost prophetic declarations we're simply making over you. So catch them in the intensity of your spirit. Catch them with, with, with the mind of your spirit more than with the mind of your soul. Check this lovely verse out. Isaiah 60 verse 17. It's so powerful when I read it. Indeed of bronze, or instead of bronze, I will give gold. Instead of iron, I bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. And I will make peace, you administrators, and righteousness, your overseers. Right? So, listen carefully. When peace administrates and righteousness gives oversight to something, so it's like peace ruling. 
the peace of God rule in your heart. The arbitrator, the administrator, the referee. When peace is the administrator and the principle of righteousness is the overriding, overseeing principle, for example, in your life, in all of your relationships, in your business, in the way you treat employees or employers, uh, in the way you, you relate to other brothers in the house, in the way in which you relate to the broader body of Christ. If those two principles are strong principles by which you function, righteousness and peace, when peace administrates all you do, overseen by righteousness, here's a prophecy for you. The Lord says, uh, and I tried to depict it diagrammatically there in your, in your notes. So if we start at the top, instead of wood, you get bronze. And from bronze, it goes to gold. And then the, the, the bottom category, from stone to iron, from iron to silver. Everyone say instead. So God's saying, instead of wood, you get bronze. If you're at the bronze level, you're going from bronze to gold. Right? Instead of bronze, you're going to gold. At the second level, is if you're working with stones, you're going to go to iron. And if you're at the iron level, you're going to go to silver. What does that say to me? It says there's coming an increase in the quality of provision that God's going to give, bring to you. Amen? There's an increase in the qualitative provision that the Lord is going to bring to us. This is the picture of a, of a prosperous state. Not so? Amen. A picture of a prosperous state. So I'm trusting God for an increase. Listen carefully. I'm saying, God, if this is a promise in your word, if I allow peace... Please get the requirement. The requirement is peace administrates all your affairs. The requirement is everything you do is in righteousness. Right? You're practically righteous before the Lord. Circumspect, holy, pure. All of these things are precursors, prerequisites. If that is the case, and God is saying to us as a, this is a prophetic word like I said to the house, God is saying, I'm about to elevate the quality of your provision. Amen? So, be expectant. Tell someone, be expectant. Be expectant. If, if you've known the breakthrough and provision of God at a particular level, God is saying, position yourself for, for provision to come at a higher level of greater, significant, increased quality. Right? God says, instead of wood, you're going to bronze. Instead of bronze, I give you gold. Right? Instead of stone, I'm going to give you iron. Instead of iron, I'll give you silver. Okay, an increase in qualitative provision that God is going to bring your God. It's like Ruth gleaning at the corners. Then she goes and she gleans into the, at the center of the field. Then she's gleaning after reapers that were instructed by Boaz. Now you deliberately leave behind big bells. She's not going to pick up the scraps anymore. There's, uh, when you study Ruth's life, there's this progression. And even after that, she's Picking up unprocessed barley. By root chapter 3, where is she reaping? She's reaping not in the field. She's reaping at the threshing floor. Where it's processed now and all the bad parts are removed. The quality is not now from the reapers. The quality is dispensed from Boaz himself. Every phase in an increase. Do you receive this? You sound very happy about this. Someone tells me this, this is... You, you man of God tells you, I'm hearing God say, this is your promise. Right? I'll grab this, appropriate this, but I, I beg of you, ensure that the requirements are in place. Peace governing everything you do. Peace in all of your relationships. 
I got no time for bitterness. I got no time for tension. I got got no time for unforgiveness. I got no time um, for hatred. I can't spend one hour. You know where I am in God right now? I can't even afford one hour of these kinds of things in my life. God is saying to me, you walk. You know what God said to Abram? When God called Abram in Genesis 12, I think. God said to him, after all the promises, you know, I'll bless you. I'll make you be a great nation. And you, all the families that shall be blessed, etc. Whoever blesses you, I bless. Whoever curses you, I curse. God said to him, now walk before me and be blameless. You walk before me and be blameless and see how these prophecies come flowing. Amen. You know, this word's going to challenge you, eh? eh? Were any of you tempted to scandal since we started these studies? Be honest. Yeah. How was your, how did you react? Have you been obedient to the word? Right? Did you, did you arrest a conversation based on what you know in terms of what I've taught you? Or are you still fueling division, fueling schism, etc.? I really want to encourage you. There's such power. You know, when I pray, I wake up and I feel such power with God. Such favor. Eh? And I really want to encourage you. God is going to do significant, mighty things for us. Amen? Now, now, just quickly before we go. Everyone says seeds. Now, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know that the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is one of the fi- sowing of financial seed. Right? And you will reap based upon the quality and the quantity of seed that you, that you sow. But turn over the next page. You reap based on the quality and the quantity of seed that you sow. You've got to understand the broad representation of seed in the Bible. Because I want, I want to leave you before, I want to give you before you leave one particular verse to meditate on before we come again together on Sunday. Before we get there, in some of his parables, Jesus likened the kingdom of God to seed. Right? In a few parables, the kingdom of God is like seed. In Matthew 13, the seed is the word of God. Remember the parable of the sower and the seed? The seed is the word. Okay. Um, also in Matthew 13, towards the end of the chapter, the seed refers to sons of the kingdom. Remember? Actual persons. So you are the seed. Right? So seed... Yes, is the word, but the word must become flesh. The word becomes a person. And we've dealt with this very early on in the current series. In Galatians 3.16, it says Christ is a seed. Not so? So Christ himself is the representation of the seed principle. The all-pervasive influence, the infectious nature of the kingdom, is also depicted as a seed in Mark 4, verse 30 to 32. Okay, the all-infectious, pervasive nature of the kingdom as a seed. Even the principle of faith in the kingdom is also likened to a mustard seed. So faith, so seed is not only finance, right? And then obviously, giving of money is also a giving of money is also a seed. Now, before before we go on, tell you, you are the seed. Right? So when you 
when the representation of the word becoming flesh, you be you embody the principle and the truth of God's word, and as Christ is a seed, so are you. And when when you now give seed, it it means much more. You can only give seed when you have become seed. Right? You and you know the seed only grows when it dies. Unless the seed of God unless the seed fall to the ground and die to the bite of the lawn. But if it dies, it grows and bears forth much, much fruit. Now, against that backdrop, I want to read the following scripture. And I will leave you with this thought. Everyone say peace for the seed. Zechariah 8.12 says the following. For there will be peace for the seed. The vine will heal its fruit. The land will heal its produce. The heavens will give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to inherit all things. Save with me peace for the seed. Now, the contemporary English version of the Bible says, your crops are planted in peace. God's word version of the Bible says, seeds will thrive in peace time. Right? Peace time. Now, the emphasis of this passage from these three versions of the scriptures is this. God is saying, if you want your seed principle, be it you, the word in you, the principle of faith, the all infectious nature of the kingdom, be it your money, be it whatever you sow, whatever the seed principle represents in your life, what you must always have for the seed, the potential in the seed, to come to maximum harvest is peace. God says, you must have, God says, I'm going to give you peace for your seed. Now, as long as the earth remains, the, 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 you know, uh, Galatians 8 says, seed time and harvest time will always persist. Right? But for us in the present economy, based upon what we've heard in this local house, I want to submit to you that your seed principle now, based upon what you've heard is not going to work for you unless you ensure all of your seed expressions are done within the culture of peace. God is saying here to Israel, because they knew strife and tension, God is saying, I'm going to give you peace in your habitation, peace in your land, peace in your environment, so that when you sow your seed, the land will, look what it says, it says the land or the vine will heal its fruits, the land, its produce, the heavens will give their due. And I will cause you to inherit all things. Isn't that a picture of tremendous productivity, prosperity? God is saying things are going to happen, not because of your seed. Yes, because of your seed, but because of the culture or the environment in which your seed is sown. I give you peace for your seed. Right? Everyone say peace for my seed. You know... Um, Husbands and wives, don't argue about what should you sow if God is leading one of you to sow. Right? Agree quickly. So that when you release something, the seed is released from a state of peace. That's what the Bible says even. Don't sow grudgingly. Don't sow, what does it say? When you give, give not grudgingly, nor of necessity, because God loveth they. Sometimes it's not what you give, but it's how you give. That determines your reward. Right? So you give from the state of, of, of peace. We've come to that position. 
Renanai. Right? I think the principle with us is whoever has the higher amount prevails. So if I say, um, we got this blessing, how much you think we should give in offerings to so and so? Whenever we bless, whatever money hits our hands, we determine what's our seed and what's our bread. You know the principle. Your bread you're allowed to eat. In the se- Do not eat all that hits your hand. You always sow. Always. Right? We've adopted a tight principle now of 20% for the past few months. Whatever blessing hits our hands, whether it's in kind, an asset, or cash, 20% of that, it or its value, goes straight as a tithe. Never mind offerings. Principle now we've come to. Right? And we've seen the blessing of the Lord abound. Amen? But it's so important, the culture or the state or the environment in which you sow. Right? Very, very important. Peace for the seed. One last scripture. Go just quickly. Just, just do the scriptures on page 5 and then we'll wrap up. I wrote here, the potential within the seed is aborted if not fully realized. Sorry. The potential within the seed is aborted or not fully realized if that seed is released within the context, a context devoid of peace. Hmm? You know what now, then, let me just be blunt. It's now illegal for you to sow in the context of relational strife. If you're entertaining relational strife in your midst and you want to sow and expecting a harvest, the potential within your seed will not be fully realized. Because God is saying, I'm expecting now this house to sow from the, from the platform, from the environment, from the premise, from the basis of peace. Because when peace administrates and righteousness is your oversight, right? your bronze becomes gold. Your wood becomes bronze. Your bronze becomes gold in that economy when peace is the administrator. If for no other reason, this is sufficient motivation enough for you to be peaceful. Because now it's going to determine your harvest. Now it's not just, you know, in, in some sectors of the body of Christ, we're struggling to get people to sow seed. That's one thing. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you are sowers. What I'm trying to do now is simply tweak and give more exactness to how you sow. Right? If you're still struggling, should I sow or not? Well, you're a long way to go. Right? We are in the culture of those that sow. And I'm saying there must be peace for your seed. In fact, practice this. Next time you sow your tithe, but you don't really sow a tithe, you give a tithe. Or you, when you sow an offering or you're blessing somebody, a brother or sister, with, tell your mind, this seed, pray it if you have to. This seed is being released in absolute peace. I'm at absolute peace in my life. As far as I know, I'm living at peace with all men as much as it lies within my power to do. Right? I'm not the cause of divisions. I'm not the cause of schism. I'm sowing this in peace. Father, peace is my administrator. Peace rules my heart. Your peace guards my heart. So I release my seed in peace. And the vine will bring forth a fruit. The land, its produce. The heavens are going to give due. You know, if you look at that order, it's all topsy-turvy, that order. Because it should, be, it should start the heavens give due first, eh? <laughs> it should start the heavens give due, the land produce, and then the vine gives fruit. 
It seems like God reversed the whole order here in this one verse. Proving that in the way in which he's going to bless you will not be according to the natural order of things. So be prepared for God to blow your mind in the manner in which blessing will come to you. Amen? So it's powerful. Leviticus 26, verse 3 to 10. Let's just read this and we'll wrap up. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, verse 4, then I will give you rain in their seasons so that the land will heal its produce and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, I like this, your threshing will last for you until your grape gathering. Your grape gathering will last until sowing time. In other words, there will be no gaps in which you will have lack. You will be sustained from each harvest season, from one into the next. You will eat your food to the full and you will live securely in your land. I will also grant, God says, I will give you peace. Right? Peace is always synonymous with prosperity in these verses. I'll give you peace in the land so that you may lay down and no one will make you tremble. I will also eliminate the harmful beast from your land and no sword will pass through your land. But you will chase your enemies and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred will chase ten thousand. That's exponential increase of, of capacity or effectiveness. Your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So I will turn toward you and I will make you fruitful and I will multiply you and I will confirm my covenant with you. I like this. You will eat the old supply and clear it out of the old because the new is coming. <laughs> God is saying, it's like, you know, when I read this, I just use my sanctified imagination. God is saying, it comes so fast and furious. Your, your biggest problem is going to be Handling, your problem is not going to be, Lord, when you're going to provide. provide. The, the provision is going to come so fast from one season of harvest into the next, almost overlapping the other. Your biggest problem is God says, hey, you better clear out that old blessing because there's a new one waiting to break forth upon you. Amen. That should make you smile. <laughs> Tell them to clear out the old because the new is about to break. But please remember the context. The context is God says, I'm going to give you a land of peace. Everyone say habitation, the culture, the environment in which all of these things are going to play themselves out is one of peace. One last verse. One for the road, as it were. Isaiah 32, verse 15. We have this verse. Let's just read the context. Okay, we know verse 16 and 17 and verse 18. I read that to you when we started. Check the context. Oh, by the way, I mean, when you go and read the whole chapter, the whole chapter is interesting because in the first from verse 1 right up to this portion, it speaks about dryness, aridness, uh, a failed economy, etc. Then there's a promise of great restoration. And how does the restoration start? Verse 15, until the Spirit is poured out from us on high, out upon us from high, and the wilderness becomes a fertile land. Or fertile field. And the fertile field is considered a forest. How's that for, for rapid acceleration? Right? Wilderness, fertile field, forest. I should have drawn a little diagram there. I, like, I like picture imagining stuff. 
wilderness, fertile field. It's like you come one day and you see this wilderness, dry, arid, barren land. You come the next day and there's the evidence of growth. You come the next day, there's a massive forest in front of you. You ask, where did, when and where did all of these things transpire? Everyone say the spirit of the Lord. So important to keep your spirit life fervent, praying in tongues, um, being aware, being sensitive, right? being led by the spirit of the Lord. So important. You know what? Uh, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. We live out the righteousness, peace, and joy. Live at that. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. Kingdom in the Holy So righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And here's a powerful depiction. God says the land is arid. I need to pour my spirit upon it. It's going to grow from wilderness. It's going to progress to field. It's going to be considered as a forest. And here's verse 16. Justice, and another word for justice is translated righteousness. Right? Justice or righteousness will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness will abide in the fertile field. Check these. You know, there's so many, the fact that there's so many references marrying all these concepts is not coincidental. Hmm? If I were you, i leave here focusing on two things. My peace and my righteousness. You will have joy, obviously. <laughs> Just develop those things strongly. And watch your wilderness change overnight into a fertile field. And then we're going to see a forest. I'm praying tonight before I sleep. I'm giving you the subject of our prayer before we sleep tonight. We're going to pray this verse. Father, we want to see a forest. Right? I want to see a forest. The work of righteousness will be peace. The service of righteousness, quietness, and confidence. My people will have a peaceful habitation and, and in secure dwellings and in an undisturbed resting places. It will hail when the forest comes down and the city will be utterly laid low. How blessed you will be. And you notice who sow. Everyone say sow seed. See, here we've got the sowing of seed in the culture of peaceful habitations. You will sow seed beside all waters who let out freely the ox and the donkey. I spent almost two hours just studying the ox and the donkey. I was a bit sidetracked in my studying for a second and it developed into another separate issue, a study which sometime later we'll discuss. But I was, I was amazed at there are several portions in the book of Deuteronomy where, where for example, the ox was and the ox and the, and the donkey were not allowed to plow together. Right? In some commentaries, they say the ox, because the two animals also were used in two different contexts of the field. The ox to plow and prepare the ground, and the, the donkey to tread the, um, the corn, or to eat excess fruit off. So what does it tell you? If it says sit both out together. Seasons are overlapping. And, and so there's this, the, the principle of the plowman overtaking the the reaper, right? So this is ex it was acceleration. I want to encourage you. Some of you are still at the back foot living in postponement. Or I want to encourage you, get up to speed with the rate at which God desires to bless you. Hmm? God wants to do it, but we're not reaching out after it. These things are going to happen. Amen? I like what it says about Jesus. He said to his disciples, let's go in the boat. As they got into the boat, and the Bible says, and immediately they were on the other side. <laughs> you know that portion of Scripture? There was no rowing involved. 
all his men, just position yourself, obey his command. They were in the boat, next first, and immediately they were on the other side. No human effort of, of rowing would like an immediately moment. <laughs> you know, wilderness, fertile field, forest. Amen? Wilderness, fertile field, forest. Can't get this image out of my mind. But how blessed are you? Now, verse 20, you're going to sow besides all waters. And water, we know, is depictive of the, the word of the Lord. Sowing in keeping with the word of the Lord. Some commentators even believe this is sowing besides a fertile flowing river. Links well with Psalm 1, you know. Blessed is the man, etc. Um, he shall be firmly planted by the rivers of water. His leap also shall not wither. Whatever this man does, prosper so long as he is sowing in keeping with the principles of the water of the, the word of the Lord. And in some, in some writings in the major prophets, the ox and the donkey were kept because um, the, the degree of barrenness was so bad there was no growth. And so the ox and the donkey could not be freely left to roam and to enjoy the produce. But now they are let. The Bible says, you will let them out. Tell your neighbor, let out your ox and your donkey. <laughs> so, so in other words, it's a, it's a prophetic thing in that there'll be the, the, the productivity, fertility, and growth will be so lush, right, um, that you'll be spoiled for choice, as it were. Your options will not be limited. I really believe this is going to become a reality to us. Amen? So stand with me. Let's just pray quickly before we leave. Everyone say peace for the seed. Peace for my seeds. I want peace for all of my seeds. Right? My land, my vines will be fruitful. Lands will give forth their increase. The heavens will give forth their due. And I will cause these people to inherit all things, declares the Lord. Amen? Uh, my wood going to bronze, my bronze going to gold, my land from wilderness going to a fertile land. Next I look, it's a forest. That tells me of increased acceleration. Letting out my ox and donkey simultaneously because of the rate at which the Lord is going to bless me. I will clear out the old quickly because God's about to bless me with the new. Amen? All of these blessings... Come to peaceful habitations. Peaceful habitations. Lift up your hands to Him. I bless you in the name of the Lord with the promises of these words from the Logos of God. Let them not just be something you read. Let them be something you experience. I bless you with this truth. I bless you with these principles in the name of the Lord. I pray that peace will be your administrators. I pray that righteousness will be your overseers. I pray the peace of God will rule and arbitrate in your hearts in all of your affairs. I pray you, whenever you are in need, that you will be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all human understanding will guard like a garrison, like a sentinel, will keep guarding your heart and mind. I pray peace will characterize the entirety of your inward life, your mind, your spirit, even your physical body will be in perfect health. I decree these blessings over you. 
I decree that because of your peaceful state, your habitation and your environment will be peaceful. I decree a peaceful habitation in your home, in your workplace, in all of your relationships. I decree that because your ways please the Lord, that even your enemies are going to start to be at peace with you according to the promise of the word of the Lord. I decree that no good thing will God withhold from you because you walk uprightly. He will be a sun and a shield and He will give His favor upon you like a shield to protect you in all of your ways. I decree righteousness, peace, and joy. Kingdom reality coming upon you in a new way. Your days ahead of you are going to be some of the most prosperous and peaceful days you've ever enjoyed. The most prosperous and peaceful days you've ever enjoyed. In Jesus' name, amen.